Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode. I am on day one of a three-day podcast recording marathon. Why am I doing this? Well, allow me to explain. Did not need to say that because of course I'm going to explain. Anyhow, I'm going to Europe in March and I want to pre-record everything and just have it out of the way so that I don't need to... I just don't know what my situation is going to be like when I'm there. So I don't want to risk leaving everything and then like not having a quiet space or not being able to find the time. So that's kind of the first half of it. And then the other half is I also have my brother's and my dad visiting at the end of the month. So again, I like to do my best to pre-record and so far we're on a really good path. I had shared a prompt on Instagram, but I think that the way that I shared it was very confusing and I actually, someone messaged me and told me it was confusing. So I kind of just decided that that's okay for this episode. I'll just have my own thoughts and then maybe I'll do a part two if there are any kind of follow-up questions or whatever on this episode. Happens from time to time where I can't really articulate the exact theme perfectly in a way that I'm going to be able to get people's input from. And so this is just one of those examples. But I did share and discuss this within my Discord in a little bit more detail for the Reality Creation Club group chat. And we had some really good conversations in there that helped me to reflect a little bit more on this theme that we'll be discussing today. So I'm really excited to get into it. I feel like it's been a while since I've done a true reality creation themed episode. So we're going to be diving back into it. And I want to start off by saying that this episode is rooted in the premise that reality creation starts with an open door. Now, I'll get into what that means in more detail, but I just want to start off with that statement. I have used the visual for myself of an open door, or another visual is water flowing out of a hose or a tap. This for me really helps to make sense of this whole reality creation process and the way that I see it working. And so we're just going to start off with that simple premise. And again, I'll kind of explain a little bit more what I mean by that. As the episode unfolds. Now, I'm going to speak first to how what I perceive to be the traditional approach to reality creation and manifestation encourages us to do things like think bigger, aim higher, fake it till you make it, and use affirmations to kind of force our way into a new identity or reality. Now, I want to acknowledge and appreciate that The popularity of these approaches means that they work for people, which is great. For me, though, I tried for many years without a great deal of success this approach to manifestation, and it wasn't until I attended a workshop not too long ago that I began to understand why that is. Just to lay the groundwork here a little bit so that you can understand where I'm coming from with this episode and maybe you relate to me in this way, is I'm a very logical, cerebral person. And my initial 
kind of attraction to the world of manifestation was that it presented me almost with a break from being so in my head and being so logical and data-driven. But at the same time, what I began to realize is completely rejecting this side of me and rejecting the way that my mind works was doing me a disservice. And it was not allowing me to actually use my mind in a powerful way. Because once I can actually get my mind on board, which is what we'll be talking about in this episode, it can be a very powerful tool. However, The way that I related to manifestation for a very long time involved sort of just rejecting that logical part of myself and the part of myself that needs to kind of understand how things are going to work and that needs to ultimately believe what I'm doing and to understand what I'm doing. So as I said, I attended a workshop that helped me to make sense of this part of myself and to not reject it. And basically, the workshop facilitator had us bring to mind our current vision and essentially what we were manifesting, which I'll share the full example of what that looked like for me at the end. But essentially what they said was, what percentage of you believes that it's possible for you to experience that reality? So again, you have your statement or your vision for what you're manifesting. And then the question is, what percentage of you actually believes that that's possible? It's a question I had never actually thought to ask myself, but when I did, my answer was about 10%. And I began to notice that that actually was really manifesting physically in the way that I felt towards my desired reality, meaning 90% of me was essentially rejecting it, was rejecting the idea that it was possible and all sorts of different behaviors and thought processes sprouted because of this rejection. So what they had us do was to then reframe or rework, I should say, our manifestation so that we could get the mind on board. So I came out with a new vision that closer to 60% of me believed. And when I say rework, The way that I like to put it is not to think smaller necessarily, but to think closer to my current reality. And what I noticed during this experience was the change in the physical, mental, and emotional disposition I had towards my desired reality, which was just something I was not really used to ever being in tune with was, well, how do I actually feel about this grand vision that I'm trying to work towards? How do I feel on a mental, physical, emotional level? And what I realized was I didn't feel good. It didn't feel pleasant in my body to try to push myself into an identity that I really ultimately just could not get on board with. So again, going back to what I said about reality creation starting with an open door, I believe that it's the mind that has the power to do this. And So often we're kind of taught to resist the functions of the mind, but I think that if we work with them, it can be extremely powerful. And before I go any further, I just want to say that like quite honestly, this small change that I'm going to share in this episode has completely changed things for me. I continue to use it. I continue to bring this kind of way of thinking into my practice and the results that I've had are completely different from when I was 
forcing my way into trying to convince myself to think bigger, etc. And not only that, but it just feels more pleasant for me to be on board with what I'm trying to work towards, if that makes sense. And like I said, I could feel the physical change. Instead of the majority of my energy going towards rejecting my desired reality and keeping that door closed. So what that looked like was my mind telling me all of the ways that it wasn't going to happen, constantly collecting evidence of past failures. Instead of that being the prominent experience, there was a quality of openness and a willingness to wait and see. And I could feel that on a physical level. Now, I'm not saying that I swung from wholeheartedly rejecting my desired reality, so 90% of me rejecting that my desired reality was possible, to the complete opposite side of the spectrum, where I wholeheartedly believed that it was possible. I'd say I was somewhere in the middle, but even still I could feel the change. The key change was that the door was open, maybe not fully, but it was slightly open because I was willing to see a new possibility. In the former way that I was doing it, where only 10% of me was on board, I feel like the door was so tightly closed and how that manifested again was this deep feeling of resistance. So again, this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go from being completely, you know, rejecting that it's possible for you to come into your desired reality to the complete opposite side of the spectrum. For me, what I like to aim for is a comfortable medium where I start with just a quality of openness and even neutrality towards my desired reality. What I also began to notice was the lack of intense rejection towards my desired reality made room for a curiosity that I wasn't aware of before. Again, if you could think of being a child and let's say your parents are downstairs socializing and the door is just open a crack and you can kind of peek in and just see what's going on on the other side. Whereas if it's completely closed, there's that kind of frustration because you have the desire to know what's going on on the other side of the door. And again, without that intense frustration and rejection of your current reality, you make room for these feelings that maybe you weren't able to experience before. And so I'll be breaking this process down a bit more in this episode, but I do just want to say that even though you may come out using this kind of way of thinking with a vision that's a little bit closer to where you are now, the goal to create your desired reality remains the same. So we're not saying that you just need to throw away all of your visions that you have and just stick to what you have and stay within the confines of your current set of beliefs. No, that's not it. And in fact, someone DM'd me and said, how is this idea of, you know, you don't need to think bigger necessarily to create your reality. How is this idea that you're working with your current set of beliefs congruent with creating your desired reality? Because of course... If my current set of beliefs says that I can't have anything that I desire, how am I going to work within that? And 
What I'll say is, first of all, the rejection response episode touches on this a lot, that it's more about creating flexibility in your current set of beliefs, but also just acknowledging that your beliefs took time to form which means that they may take time to dissolve or to expand. And so we're not saying that your current set of beliefs is going to be present for your entire life experience, but it's acknowledging that they're there now. And for me, at least, trying to deny that just doesn't work. So if you resonate with that, then this is for you. And you can also... It doesn't have to be about, again, having this limiting belief and having to live with that for the rest of your life. You can acknowledge that something is limiting, but still appreciate that it's there and you would like to move beyond it. So like I said, the goal is still to create your desired reality, but the way that you get there, this is essentially just an alternative path. So because it's been a while since I've done a true reality creation episode, I kind of want to revisit that process from my perspective. So first, of course, you become aware of the fact that you have a desire. You start to create your vision for your desired reality and then the version of you that is living your desired reality, which here we refer to as your character. Another really important piece that I like to explore is the sensory experience of your desired reality. So What is the sensation or set of feelings that you expect to feel living in this reality? For me, quite often that revolves around spaciousness and ease and freedom. And what you're doing here is using your powerful internal faculties and energy, your imagination, your senses, to build out a reality around your desire. And the reason I say this is because quite often we use our powerful internal faculties to think of all the ways that we don't deserve our desired reality and we think of all the ways that it's not possible etc so you really want to be kind of pointing them in the right direction and you're putting together all the pieces so that the last thing to catch up is the physical manifestation of your desire i also like to talk a little bit about and i'll talk about this in more detail in a future episode but creating actual openings or opportunities which are often referred to as portals in your life for your desire to flow to you. Kind of like having an address to send something you ordered online to. So again, that kind of comes back to the door being open. But the key here, which we'll be discussing, is the ease through which this whole process can function, which from my perspective are how open and receptive we are to three things. First, having the desire, so acknowledging that you have the desire and allowing yourself to actually have that desire, something that I don't often think about, but is very important because maybe there's shame around a certain desire that you have, like maybe you feel a certain level of guilt for wanting financial success. And also, very important to mention, goes without saying that desires that don't hurt or affect negatively other people. So that's the first thing is how open and receptive you are to having your desire. The second is your belief that the desired reality is possible and available to you. And then the third is your willingness to actually experience the desired reality. So this is kind of a phenomenon where we say we want something, we say we want something, and then it actually presents itself as an opportunity and we reject it. 
I noticed this a lot for myself in dating when there was a deep fear to actually going on the dates and being vulnerable, etc. even though I said I wanted it. So my hypothesis is that the degree to which we can be open in these three areas is influenced by how honest we are being with ourselves and where we are right now in our current reality. Now, like I said, I want to kind of explore that traditional approach a little bit more and provide maybe a little bit of a hypothesis as to why it may not be working for you. Again, recognizing that it does work for some people. In fact, it works for many people, but this is for those of us who feel that this kind of approach doesn't work. So what I mean by the traditional approach or kind of the fake it till you make it approach is for me, it's rooted in sort of a forcefulness. So it's about convincing and pretending. So a good example of this would be if my life experience from when I was born to now is that I was poor. I did not have a lot of money. I couldn't access the things that I wanted to access. And you know, maybe my survival was threatened at certain points because of my lack of financial support, etc. In this moment, it feels like a lie to say that I am rich, to use that affirmation, to think bigger, to pretend that I'm a millionaire. And so that for me feels incongruent. So kind of why I think that it feels this way is because it's almost like we're trying to deceive ourselves. I think, like I said, the mind is very powerful and I always think of it as having kind of a task. And I think when it's not on board, the task that it's primarily devoted to is collecting evidence against your claim. So if you present your mind with the affirmation, I am rich, when your whole life experience is that that wasn't the case, it's almost like your mind is going to go to work to collect evidence to prove you wrong. It's like suspicious of this new premise that we're presenting it with and it wants to show you that you're wrong. That's at least how I experience trying to affirm something that I don't deeply believe and that my life experience has not reflected. Now, I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm not saying that you can't go from being poor your whole life to being rich. It happens all the time. But it's a matter of in the moment that I am wanting to create a new vision for myself. Do I believe this premise that I'm presenting my mind with? That's kind of an extreme example, but I think it kind of happens all the time in smaller ways. And what I think ends up happening for me is that I don't really have a great deal of trust with myself because I feel like I'm constantly just really, for lack of a better word, bullshitting myself and it just doesn't feel good because everything in my being doesn't believe the statement that I'm trying to move towards. And it doesn't believe that the destination is even necessarily a safe one because it's so unfamiliar. And I think when we aim so high and so big, it's almost like the mind just can't see a path. And So it gets to work on just keeping us where we are. And another thing too, when we aim so big and so high, is that we may believe that that's going to require too much effort and too much energy 
And so it would be easier to just stay where we are now. A good example of this for me and how the alternative approach that I'm going to share has saved me in almost every single area of my life is just breaking things down into smaller tasks and then noticing how I feel in relation to that task as a result. So an example of this would be if I have to clean my entire apartment, if I write down on my piece of paper, clean apartment, my immediate feeling is, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's such a big task. I'll start to think of all the other things that I want to be doing instead. But then when I break it down to, okay, bedroom, clean bedside table, clean drawer, make bed, and I make little tiny micro tasks, the way that I feel towards that is completely different. I feel like I can do it. I feel like I can get myself on board and I feel like it's not such a big, grand, daunting task. Another good example of this may be fitness and fitness goals that I've tried to set for myself in the past that are so incredibly ambitious for where I am right now and also requires me basically completely overhauling my current identity and lifestyle. And so because of that, my response to this overly ambitious goal that I've set for myself is, nah, I'm not going to do that. Too much effort, too hard, would require too much of a change in my lifestyle. And I like my current lifestyle, so I'm not going to do that. And once again, when I say too ambitious, I only mean for myself. I know that other people can be extremely motivated by setting these types of goals and that's awesome and I celebrate that. But I want to move into an alternative approach if you're anything like me and you're resonating with my experience. And that alternative approach is rooted in being honest with yourself. And I want to share a little bit about what I see this approach looking like and why I feel that it works. Okay, so let's start off with the basic premise of working with your current set of beliefs. It doesn't mean that if you have beliefs that are very limiting, that you have to live by them for the rest of your life, but you're going to acknowledge where you currently are and kind of locate yourself on the map and then move from that place and work with what's available to you and what's around you without coming into contact with what I like to call a rejection response. So good example of this for me is if my current belief surrounding money is that it's extremely hard to earn money and that ultimately I am poor. Again, I acknowledge and appreciate that's where I am. I don't try to reject that. Belief doesn't mean that I can't expand it. And what is something that feels available to me that is slightly expansive and slightly outside of that that particular belief is what does it feel like to say to myself, I have all of my current financial needs met? Okay, that doesn't feel too, too bad. What about I am learning to become financially responsible. We also don't have to make it so black and white. It can be more of a fluid experience. So acknowledging that while we are in a certain place right now with our belief towards money, we are learning and expanding beyond being in that place. So that's kind of the first way that I like to think about this approach. 
And the other thing is we're really not trying to force ourselves to convince ourselves of anything. So a good example of this is a lot of the times when I talk about, you know, overcoming the fear of embarrassment and judgment, etc., I think people assume that I don't care what people think of me, which is so far from the truth. I care a lot and I think I always will. And I think that that's okay. And I think that the fear of judgment and the fear of, or I guess like caring what people think is natural because we want to be accepted. And that's actually a good thing. We want to have community and we want to be connected to people that accept us for who we are. And that drives us towards those types of people. But at the same time, when it becomes paralyzing, how can we still move through it? It's not about for me trying to convince myself that I don't care. It's about recognizing that that actually isn't something that needs to stop me from moving forward. How can I assign less meaning to the experience of caring rather than trying to convince myself that I don't care? So again, very deeply rooted in honesty and in not trying to pretend. Because I think when we pretend, sometimes we can kind of bypass some of the very real fears or wounds that we have. So actually accepting that I care and showing myself that it's safe to care and still try anyways, for me, feels a lot more honest. And for me, creates a relationship with that part of myself that maybe is scared of judgment that is more rooted in honesty and trust because I'm showing myself that I see that you care and I appreciate that you care and I understand why you care. But how about we try this thing anyways and see how it goes? And so for me, I learned to give more weight to the things that I wanted to do and my desire for wanting to do them than I did my fear of embarrassment or my fear of being judged. And something that's really helped me is to become familiar with the physical manifestations of when this fear is presenting itself and just kind of looking at what my behavior is towards that. So the way that I see being able to move forward, even if I have an intense fear of judgment, is how do I how do I react to the physical experience of the fear of judgment? Do I tell myself that I can't move forward and do that thing and turn away and walk in the opposite direction? So again, when I come to that threshold or that portal where I'm experiencing an intense fear of judgment, but on the other side is this thing that I really want to try. What are the behaviors that I'm building to try to move through that portal? And for me, more effective than trying to convince myself that I am not there and I don't feel that is to just build the trust to be able to pass through it and do that instead of recoiling. And a good example of this is something that I've been doing recently is going to ecstatic dance classes, which is basically an unguided dance class where you're just in a room with a bunch of strangers dancing, no guidance, no talking. And this is like the perfect example of something that I was terrified to do. I don't know why it's so simple, but to move my body in a way that I want 
without stopping it from expressing itself was very scary and very vulnerable and I felt very anxious going into it. But what I started to experiment was feeling that physical manifestation of the fear of judgment and moving through it, like literally physically moving my body and speaking to myself in a kind way and being there for myself with those feelings and just being attentive like I would with a scared child, essentially. And the other thing here is that for me, this premise contradicts the idea that in order to be successful or in order to be happy, you cannot care what people think and you cannot be afraid of judgment. For some reason, I picked that idea up along the way. And what I found was that identifying with this belief actually became a barrier to my own success and happiness because I thought, well, I care what people think. I guess I can't be successful or I can't put myself out there. And just unpacking that and working with where I currently am and recognizing that those aren't barriers to getting to where I need to go. I can be honest with where I am and I can still move towards what I want. I would also say that another key factor in this approach to reality creation is this idea of iteration. So going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode about how in that workshop, the person said, you know, what percentage of you believes that it's possible? And then we had to rework our vision if that percentage was very low and create a new vision that felt closer to where we are that more of us could get on board with more of our identity I should say and for me this isn't about saying that that bigger kind of further away vision that I had for myself that only 10% of me believed it's not to say that I'll never get there it's What are the steps to getting there? What does the iterative process look like? So again, I have this big vision and this big task, but what is available to me right now within my current identity? And the reason that I think this works really well is because I think we like to see the progress and we like to feel a sense of satisfaction with respect to our desired reality rather than defeat. So again, if I have this goal to get super fit and run a ultra marathon well day to day my experience may feel very defeating because it will take me some time to get there whereas if I say okay my current vision is to be able to run one kilometer then I start to feel a sense of momentum and progress and satisfaction with respect to that desired reality, and I can iteratively work my way up to the grander kind of idea that I had for myself. So identifying something that is closer to where you currently are and being honest with yourself about that isn't about saying that that's where you'll stop. I actually find that once you kind of begin to have that experience of expansion, you just build momentum and you begin to see that it's actually possible for you to create your reality in this way and starting with little small things can give you a sense of what that process looks like for you and actually building confidence that it's possible again another reason I like this approach to being honest with yourself and working with your current set of beliefs and identity is if you think about yourself as kind of an instrument or a vehicle 
This approach is rooted in actually having respect for your instrument or respect for your vehicle. And in a way, respecting your limits. It doesn't mean that they will be your limits forever, but kind of like this idea that I learned in therapy for my anxiety of exposure therapy, some people can take on an approach to exposure therapy where they shock their nervous system. So it's kind of like they jump into a cold pool and that can really help them. They fully expose themselves to the thing that scares them. But for me, I've always worked best with, again, slowly exposing myself to what it is that I'm scared of and respecting my limits in that department. And the reason I say respecting my limits is because quite often we're being sent these bodily cues that kind of tell us what we feel comfortable with and what we don't. And someone actually said this to me the other day when I was doing a cold ocean swim and they just said, don't compare yourself to what other people are doing, how long they're staying in. Don't push yourself to to be somewhere that you're not. Respect your own body's limits. And again, you may work your way up to what that person is at, but you don't know what it took for them to get there either. So just respect your instrument, respect where you're at now, and know that your current set of limitations doesn't have to be your set of limitations forever. That can grow, that can expand, but respecting where you are right now can actually be a lot safer for yourself and can feel a lot safer. And I believe that things like pleasure, things like manifestation, things like joy start with a sense of safety. And so being respectful towards our instrument and our limits can really help to build a good foundation for safety. Okay, so now I want to provide a full example of what this process could actually look like. Now, if you are using the Design Your Character template, in the self-audit log, you're going to find a set of guided journal prompts that take you through this experience and this set of prompts that I'm about to share. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use an example about money because I think it's really easy to articulate using this example. So let's say that I am a self-employed person, which I am, and the question is posed, you know, what do you desire financially on a monthly basis? Now let's start with something that I would have traditionally chosen because I want to think bigger, I want to aim higher. So let's say I start with my vision is, okay, I want to make $15,000 a month. The first question to ask is, does this desired reality represent something beyond what I or someone I know has experienced? So the answer for me is yes. And the reason why it's important for me to consider this is because It may just be a little indicator that you may have more of that rejection response experience because you don't have a great deal of proof that it's possible for you, which is okay. It's not a problem. You're going to start to build and collect that proof for yourself, but just being honest with, okay, this represents something a little bit different from what I've experienced or someone I know. The next question is, if the answer is yes... Am I willing to be shown a different experience? So in other words, am I willing to open that door and see what's behind it? Because it can feel safe to not open the door and just stick with where I am now and what I know. 
So in order to move forward, I have to have that willingness to being shown something different. So what we have so far is that it does represent something beyond what I or someone I know personally in my personal life has experienced making $15,000 a month. And yes, I am willing to be shown a different experience. So the next one, which I think is very important, is could I reasonably see myself having this experience? Or put differently, like this person in the workshop asked me, what percentage of me believes that I will have this experience? And this is where, for me, being honest with yourself is super important. And if the answer is lower than 50%, that's where I think that there's an opportunity to reframe or rework the vision. So my answer for the $15,000 question is no. From where I am right now, I can't reasonably actually feel that I'm going to have this experience. Not enough of me can get on board with that. I would say definitely lower than 50%. So the follow-up question is, is there a version of the experience, or I guess another word would be an iteration that does feel reasonably attainable to me. So how can we get that 50% or higher? And so a number for me may be 5,000 or 7,000 or whatever it may be to make me feel like my answer to those questions is now a yes. And like I said, I would really recommend kind of getting in touch with what your physical body feels. For me, that's a pretty good indicator of how I feel overall and what percentage of me is rejecting my desired reality is when I feel an intense kind of contracting feeling, when I feel quite often predominantly in my chest a closedness and that's where I feel that the door has closed. And I just want to be honest with myself when I have that feeling. It doesn't mean that I'll never become open in respect to that desired reality. In fact, what will probably happen is I'll start with something that feels closer, like the 7,000. I'll have the experience of satisfaction, realizing that it's possible, and then I'll iterate my way up to my initial desire. So I think that's where I'm going to leave it for today. I hope that all of this made sense. Again, if thinking bigger, using affirmations and, you know, aiming higher works for you, then that's amazing. And I hope that I too can get there at one point. But for now, this process has completely changed what it looks like for me to navigate my reality creation process and also has just made it more fun and made me feel like it's possible for me to create the reality that I want from where I am now, even if I do have beliefs that don't feel 100% supportive, even if I do care about what people think, I can still create the reality that I want to experience and you can too. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found something helpful. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in next week's episode.